everyone, and welcome to the Round 5 edition of Bombercast for 2023. I'm your regular guest host, The Grizz, uh, and with me today is a man who's really an honorary member of the Essendon board. Uh, a lot of regular posters will know him as our favourite non-Essendon poster around. It is Schmutt, Melbourne fan extraordinaire. How are you, Schmutt? Thank you for joining us. A pleasure being here, mate. I'm very well, thank you. We thought we, um, considering the last 20 years of Essendon, we thought bringing on someone from a, a well-functioning club might be good, uh, just for a bit of a change in pace. Thanks for coming on. How's this season tracking for you guys, do you reckon, as a, as a Melbourne fan? Um, are you happy with the start of the season? Are you happy with how everything's going? Uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely can't say I'm not happy. I looked at the first three games pre-season and probably thought, look, if we could win two, that would be fantastic, and we've done that. The Brisbane loss was very poor, but, I mean, we, we kind of made the margin look a bit flattering at the end when the power went out for that ridiculous amount of time, and then they let us play, and we nearly came back and won, but that was realistically never happening. I'm pretty happy, mate, but a lot is, I think a fair bit's changed in the way we're playing, but it's round four. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who knows? It's been it's an interesting start to the year, hasn't it? I think the AFL's done a really good job of scheduling like-for-like teams. Obviously, the few exceptions that you played West Coast this week. But all in all, uh, a lot of really competitive games. A lot of teams are at that two or three win mark. And now we're going to start getting into the real cruncher games to the mid part. Obviously, you had a, a really good win against the Eagles on the weekend. Uh, some extra travel in for you guys, which might help the Bombers this week. But if that's the only thing going for us, we're in trouble. How do you feel... Uh, Melbourne are going this year uh, and how you know track it compare it to maybe last year where you guys you know started like a house on fire or the year before where you also started like a house on fire but ended up taking the chockies as well Uh, how do you see Melbourne tracking at the moment as far as a unit yeah so it's it's funny right because they were probably unironically the worst team to go 10-0 I reckon ever to start a season last year I mean if you looked at at the end of the season, I think we only played one team that played finals in that first 10. And like statistically, we're well down across a lot of areas. We just, we literally just got lucky with an easy fixture. So I think the 10 0 last year was very flattering. Whereas the year before, when they went nine and nine and one and then subsequently ended up going 11 and three, they actually beat, they were beating all the good teams. We just decided we were going to lose to. Um, teams like Collingwood. But yeah, no, statistically, we're way up compared to last year. Second best tackling team. Last year, we were the third worst if you go by differentials because everyone should go by differentials, not totals. But I think the other thing is the forward line looks a lot better. And that's always the question mark with Melbourne, right? Like in 2021, we won it with a pretty makeshift forward line. I think you probably had one A grader there in Fritch and then Cozzy was coming on and then the tools were very makeshift. It probably showed you don't need an amazing forward line as long as they all play their role. But this year, weirdly, we're the most accurate team. So if I pull the stats up in front of me, last year, Melbourne was 300 goals, 284 behinds. This year, they're 70 goals, 37 behinds. So that's pretty stark. I mean, the game against Sydney with margin was a bit flattering to us because they were a bit inaccurate, but we were very accurate. I mean, it's nice because I don't know if you watched much of Melbourne last year, but the amount of games we pissed away with 20-point leads because <laughs> we were extremely wasteful was very frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I think we're tracking well. But again, it's round four. I want to get a good look at us over the next month and then we can probably form a better opinion. Yeah, it's interesting because I've watched a few Melbourne games this year. I tend to watch the better teams more than the the Hawthorne North Melbourne clashes um, just because I want to save my brain cells. But um, (laughs) (laughs) it's funny with Melbourne. I, I feel like they're back 
you guys are back more to where you were in 2021 in terms of your, your game being in, in order. So like your top five in intercepts, which is always your game back in 2021, there was Lever and May and, and Petty, although yeah. Petty's playing more forward now. So yeah, um, Lever's leading that stat this year. Yeah. By the way. So, like, yeah, so I think really good form. Yeah, I think Melbourne's top four for intercepts, but then, you know, like I said, you lead your league one in tackles, your contested possession numbers, raw just numbers, your differentials, your clearances, they're all up. Do you, I might just interrupt you for one second there. So funny thing is we've actually got the second worst clearance differential at the moment, but that is because at a abominable game against Brisbane where it was a negative 22 against us has kind of screwed the maths there. Whether that's an anomaly well, that's more closer to the norm against the good teams. I guess we'll see with Melbourne. They were much better against Sydney the following week. But yeah, the clearance, the contested possession numbers, you're 100% right. Like they're pretty good as always. Although we did lose contested possessions and clearances to the dogs in round one, but it didn't matter because they're incredibly wasteful with the ball. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's all right. I suppose you look at the raw stats, your top five in center clearances and your top, I think in, no, so your bottom yeah. in, your bottom in stoppage clearances, which is clearances around the ground. But I think you're, you're you're four or five in, in center clearances. And I suppose that's Melbourne's game, isn't it? You, you, you're happy to concede clearance, but you, you set up so well, oh, absolutely. Ball, which is why you have such high intercept numbers and such high marking numbers, is that you, you give the opposition the stoppage at knowing that you've set up behind the ball. And it's more your center clearance work where you take full toll, <laughs> where when. When Melbourne's win, I think, yeah, 54 total clearance, center clearances, 56 is number one in, in Gold Coast. So if Melbourne are winning more center clearances in their opposition, you're generally taking full toll on that. Um, and your scores through it per inside 50 and your marks per inside 50 are really high. And that's always sort of been Melbourne's deal, hasn't it, is controlling the air. And I think we'll get into the preview later. I think that's one one place you might seek to take control of Essendon this weekend uh, on for many reasons, you may well take control of Essendon this weekend. But I want to just chat briefly about your forward line, for example. So you've gone back to your sort of your genuine, three genuine tools, Bailey Fritz. Ba- I think Bailey Fritch is playing. He's not. Yeah, yeah. He only yeah. missed the one game in round one. Yeah. So, you know, you go Brown, McDonald, you're resting Ruck or you're resting Ruck prior to Gorn going down. I don't know what the, the deal is at the moment, but it was genuinely, you know, your Fritch at 193, your two genuine tools and your resting Ruck as a genuine tall forward line, you seem to have gone back to that again. Um, you know, even with sort of gone out, you play pretty tall, which belies the sort of forward pressure that you guys uh, are able to generate. How have you seen that mix going forward? Because I tend to wonder if Gorn going out has, you know, obviously it didn't at the weekend against West Coast, but I think that's more a, a result of who West Coast are more than who Melbourne is. Do you see that potential as an issue now that structures had to change again with Gorn out? Well, in a funny way, like it's going to sound ridiculous, but in a funny way, Gorn out helps. Like, obviously, he's a champion player. Like, he's extremely important. Like, when, when he's up and going, there, I, there's no other player like him in the league, right? Yeah. But it lets Grundy play solo ruck. It lets us go a little bit shorter up forward, which I like. That's why I'm dreading the fact that we're going to bring in Ben Brown this week for a small. That would... <laughs> I would lose my mind. But because the, the thing is, like you said, Bailey Fritch, and it, he's a great, because he effectively plays as the full forward. I mean, he often is manned up by probably the, the opponent's full back. He's targeted a lot going inside 50. I mean, he's our most reliable goal kicker. He's kicked 50 plus goals the last two years. He's kicked three, three, and three since he came back in in round two. That's literally his job. 
like that. I won't get started on how ridiculous that selfishness stuff was last year from the media, but like his job is to kick goals and that's what he's there for. But he doesn't give a lot of defensive pressure either. So like you said, we don't want to go too tall because, well, I mean, Grundy's not a great mark as is. Tom McDonald and Ben Brown, like you could argue that both are probably a bit cooked. But the one thing that has really changed in our forward line is I, I I don't have the I can't find the numbers. I'd have to go through all 18 clubs manually on the app to work this out. But we have had, I would wager we would probably almost be the best tackling team inside forward 50 to start the year. And that goes to come down a lot to the smalls. It's Cozzy's obviously only played two, but Chandler Spargo and Neil Bullen, those guys playing well has completely changed the forward line. Like, I still believe your best players have to play well to win games and the role players will come along for the ride. But those guys taking a step up makes a huge difference to Melbourne. Like I think we we had 20 plus inside, uh, 20 plus tackles inside forward 50, I think three out of the four games. So I would hazard a guess we're at least top four in that stat. So whether that continues, we'll have to see because that's a taxing style to play. But yeah, I'm just praying we don't go too tall this week, especially because it's probably going to rain, which I'm sure you're going to touch on later. <laughs> Do you guys feel like you're the best team in the competition? So like I... I... Yeah, if if this was a tennis tournament, you'd probably have Melbourne as the one seed, or at least the two seed behind maybe Carlton. Um, who's st- I, I trust Melbourne more than I trust Collingwood. Uh, fully fit, I think. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I don't think I can say we're the best team, and we've got a shocking record against Collingwood. But like, I don't think anyone can say they're the best team at the moment. I mean, yeah. if we're going to go off results, and Kilda's probably the only one because they haven't lost yet. Like that's yeah. they haven't played anyone good, but they haven't lost. Everyone else has had a blemish. Yeah, But no, I, I would be confident going into a final series. I mean, I think it's going to be a very even year anyway, but I, I would be confident. But that doesn't mean I think we're the best. Like there's some teams I'd much rather we play more than others. Yeah, it's funny because I, I know a lot of Essendon fans that I know, maybe not necessarily on big footy, but at least, you know, yeah, in my life, sort of look at Melbourne with envy, noting that, you know, 10 years ago, if you'd told Melbourne fans this is the situation they'd be in, they'd probably laugh at you. But you know, us here at Essendon, it's it's pretty tough sledding at the moment. I just, what's it like to go through, you know, what was it before 2021? It was 50 years since your last flag, probably more, was it? Yeah, for 60s, well, early 60s. Um, it, it's, sorry, Yeah, what's, so, you know, what's it like <laughs> just for the Essendon band? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I'm 33 years old, so I've seen... F all success before this year, right? Whereas I'm sure Essence supporters, even just a few years older than me, would have seen like at least two premierships, maybe three. But it, it it's funny because I remember I was thinking about this the other day. I remember like 2017 when we missed finals by the record at the time, which I believe was broken by Carlton last year. Thanks, Carlton. It was the record lowest percentage. And obviously that was heartbreaking to miss finals. But I remember looking at the team, right? And that was when, like, Oliver had a really good year that year in his second year, but he was still a kid. Petrarca was still a kid. Like, all these guys are so young. And I was thinking to myself, maybe we're just not going to be good until these guys who I know can probably be A-graders are going to hit their peak. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. look, it's frustrating. It takes a long time to build. Because, like, Melbourne back then had, like, Nathan Jones still playing well. Like, Jack Viney was probably better then than he is now. Like, Bernie Vince was still a good player. Jordan Lewis came in. Love Jordan Lewis. I know Essendon fans probably don't, but... Loved his time at Melbourne. Um, Yeah, and it's sort of like, well, maybe we're actually not going to be that good until like the really good players hit their peak. And it's why something like, I I mean, I'm just a pleb fan. I've got no idea how footy works generally. But remember saying to a a very good friend of mine who's a Madison supporter, I was like, I know this is probably sacrilege, but I'm like, look, you probably wouldn't be upset if you finished bottom six this year or even bottom four because you 
if you like Melbourne literally became good because we just got so many cracks at the top of the draft, we had to get it right eventually. And you you can throw Carlton in that basket too. If if a team is crap for long enough, they're eventually gonna hit hit something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean that that's when like you need a draft like those guys high up. And I think it's why St. Kilda stuffed up for a while, because they didn't really go hard at the top of the draft. And I know people will say, Oh, like Geelong, you know, I'm like, yeah, but Geelong is probably Geelong and Sydney are the only two teams I reckon in the last fifteen years who won a premiership without going through the traditional rebuild. I think every other club had a core of good draft picks as their best players. Every other club. Yeah, I, I, I would I would throw the Sydney and Geelong examples out though, because when you throw Lance Franklin into that team in 2014. Um, you have the academy selection Sydney did um, with Heaney and Mills and those sorts of guys. I think with Geelong, they just kept on picking up Geelong guys. They bring Jeremy Cameron back. They, they were able to access top end talent without necessarily going to the drafts. A lot oh, of sure. it, yeah, and a lot of Essendon fans who I think pay attention are willing to accept at least based off last year, this year isn't going to be a great year for wins and loss climbs. We didn't do a, a, a full preview for this year just because of personal stuff happening. But I had us down for about eight wins, which generally gets you bottom six. And I think that was eight wins, including the extra game. So it's you know, you're, you're eight and 15. And we might just transition this to the Bombers now. I, I, I tend to think that our start to the year is really inflated. So we've played Hawthorne, who are going to be the, the curb stomp team of the competition this year um yeah yeah how good's that oh it's (laughs) yeah i think you know there's apparently there are clubs who are griping that it's going to be unfair for teams that play hawthorne twice to get basically melbourne have their man north twice i do not know how we we got the geelong treatment in the fixture but yeah yeah yeah. it we don't really take much out of that hawthorne game the Gold Coast game and the GWS games were the other two we won. And I think on the weekend, the, the pressure rating now, for people listening, people argue about the value of the pressure rating, what, what how it's actually okay. It's a guide. You take it as, okay, this is what the general guide says. Now let's crunch into the numbers. The pressure rating was, I think, all-time low for 18 months or something. So like GWS didn't register and Essendon was still considered poor. So anything that you take out of those two games, I think, is minimal because, you know, you look at the games and you're thinking, well, yeah, of course we took a ton, shit ton of marks and, of course, we had a shit ton of disposals because GWS and Gold Coast put no pressure on the ball at, on significant periods of both those games. And the only one game we played against a team that's half-decent was St Kilda, who are, you know, a mash unit at the moment. And they put us to the sword in the first 16 minutes. So I'm really interested to see... Um, how we go against Melbourne this week. Have you been paying much attention to Essendon? I know you, you post previously you posted a bit on our board and you're welcome to opposition posted there. But what are your what are your thoughts or your vibes that you're picking up about Essendon to start the year, if any? Um, this is going to sound really disrespectful, but I don't mean it in this way. Like I've got a few really good friends who are Essendon supporters and they, they, they nominated this, not me. They said Essendon are a meme team. And I was like, you know what? When you think about it, like it is kind of right because like they're still one of the most hot and cold outfits like out there. Like they've they've been pretty consistent start this year. To be fair, like they played a bad quarter against St Kilda, but they've been pretty good across the four. But I I still watch an Essen game, and I'm I never know what I'm going to get with this team. It's like <laughs> it's like you've got 22 Sam Frosts out there. I'm like I just don't know what's going to happen when they get the ball. 
But and, and and like I said, that's not disrespectful because Essendon sometimes play really well. At no, him, and then they'll, they'll just play like absolute crap, and it's no. just like, what is your explanation for this? Like, we have no, oh. no, we have no. Like, <laughs> like dead set, you are speaking to the heart of every sort of hardcore Essendon supporter ever, and you know we'll we'll get to the history of El- of Essendon Melbourne clashes, which might be the most weird ass rivalry in the air. like in terms of the previous 10 years in the AFL. I've never watched so many terrible games oh it's unbelievable we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but Essendon um has this horrific ability to play up to their opponents and then the same week play down to their opponents we did everything we could to lose that game against GWS 11-22 loses the game against anyone else in the competition except for a team whose pressure rating didn't figure on the scoreboard and Adam Kingsley just about ate three of his players at three quarter time and didn't get a response like it was it was dead set but um yeah it's it's a bizarre we're a bizarre team, but I think what you said before of we need to hit the top end of the draft, I think that's about right. Um, we've got a couple of high-end free agents at the end of this year that we're probably worried about losing in Parish and Redmond. You know, you'd never want to lose those guys, but there's an element of we, I don't think we're going to be very good this year. And so stocking up on those picks, getting games into young guys is how we're going to go. It. But I, I did want to what? chat briefly about the history of Essendon Melbourne clashes and I'll run through some notable ones and you can add some if you want. So we've got Essendon's last finals win back when cavemen were rolling stones in order to get to work. Um, was, Don't remind me. Yeah, <laughs> was in 2004 against Melbourne. I remember watching the game. Essendon, again, trying to keep themselves out of it. There was the, I think if this was 2011, when the Bombers started 8-1 or something and Melbourne... 2012. Was, 2012, yep, that's 20. it, 2012. Essendon started 8-1. and one. That was the famous sort of um, uh, supplement year, which we don't need to get into. Uh, Essendon started 8-1 and one, and then Melbourne were basically stone-cold motherless at that point. And in yep, one of the they, weirdest... They, they were 10-1 to one outsiders. And I can tell you what, you, it was probably the proof you weren't on drugs because if you were losing to that Melbourne team, like it's impossible <laughs> if you're on drugs. <laughs> yeah, look, it was, it was... I remember watching the game. It was like... A horrific, wet, sloppy game, and Essendon I was there. I, I remember. Oh, it, it was a terrible I game. Went with, I went with a bunch of Essen supporters. Sorry, real quick to hijack. And two of them, they follow footy like more casually, but they like to come to the games because they know I'll get animated like watching Melbourne. Usually negative reactions because I get frustrated with the team, but they come along. Three-quarter time, they're like, oh, we'll go get a beer. And then they, they washed it from standing room and then they didn't come out for beers afterwards because they thought I was going to be insufferable because Essendon <laughs> tripped over their own feet and Melbourne won the game. Mate, that's not all we tripped over. We tripped over, <laughs> absolutely. That was a horrendous game, but... So that was 2012, the unlosable game by Essendon lost to Stone Cold Motherless Melbourne. 2016, round two, the replacement year, uh, a fond year in the memory of Essendon supporters. The the dread I felt that whole game was awful. Essendon tipped to not win a game that year. Round two, beat Melbourne. Um, Darcy Parrish kicks a goal um, to seal it. Essendon fans are... Delusional. I remember one fan saying, finals! I was like, okay, guys, let's calm down. This is Melbourne. The following year, Danaher kicks one goal eight, I think, in the first half against Melbourne in in classic Joe Danaher land. That was um, about as good as it got. Yeah. I will I will give Melbourne this, and you'll remember this as well. I will give them an out. 2017-2018, because we, we would play you guys and Collingwood would play Richmond because they'd have the two Anzac fixtures and they'd fixture the teams against each other to make it fair. Oh, that's right. And... We were both 2017, 2018. I don't know if you remember, 
So it was both off four-day breaks. And yeah, both yeah. Times the game this. was the exact yeah. same thing. The exact same thing happened in both games. It was hilarious. <laughs> First half, absolute dog shit. Some of the worst football you'll see. Like I remember watching the ball go from turnover to turnover between the arcs. Literally, it happened for about two and a half minutes, and I was just laughing like this is unreal. <laughs> And then Melbourne took over in the second half and ran away with the game. And the exact same thing happened two years ago. I think they even kicked to the same ends in the same quarters. It was uncanny. Yeah. And then there's one you haven't brought up. I mean, I can remember them all. Uh, 2013, Essendon obliterated Melbourne. That's when I was in uni. Oh, I remember I was working at Coles. Yeah. And I saw the score when I finished my shift and just laughed and went home. Like, didn't even bother turning it on because it was already like eight goals to one a quarter time or something obscene. Essendon absolutely humiliated Melbourne. That was like, that was the loss where like Mark Neal was going to get sacked anyway, but that was a loss that just made it untenable because we were terrible against Port the first week and then Essendon just embarrassed us the next I week. I remember that. Stuart Cramery got subbed off after kicking eight goals in the first three quarters. I, I, do, yep. I do remember that game. I remember we lost the next week, I think, which is classic. <laughs> well, um, I, there was famous images of all the Melbourne fans waiting at the race as the yeah, players walked that off. Was... And normally when you see all the fans waiting at the race, it's a good thing. It was not a good thing that night. Yeah. Then 2014, uh, we beat you by a point. And that was that was another game of Danaher and S, the whole Essendon team. I'm... I, I don't know how I can remember this. I remember Bell Chambers had a shot from the top of the square and put it straight into the goalpost at the side of the last quarter. That, that was and, and I, was, I turned to my mate. I'm like, no, nah, well, Melbourne's actually going to win. Like, if you guys are literally going to miss that, like, I don't see how we can't win. Like, it's rem- just not meant to be for Essendon. I remember this. Lyndon Dunn turned, in st- turned into Stephen Silvani at fullback. It was unbelievable to watch. <laughs> oh, I remember that game. That was the year Bomber Thompson was coaching us. And yep. just, yeah, me throwing... I was dating a Melbourne supporter at the time. Um, that was that was hard. Um, but <laughs> that, that was. Oh, I, I just remember being elated after that win because that oh. was like because we that was put the first Paul Rouge year. Yeah, and like, that was. Oh, we were so. But yeah, and then the next year, uh, it was. I reckon it might have been James Hurd's second last game in charge. I think we played you middle of the year, and we were actually pretty heavy favourites. We'd beaten the Bulldogs on the week before, and Joe came out and kicked five. It was a shocking game, and Essendon won. Very frustrating. It was definitely Hurd's last winner's coach. I know that. I I, like it. Yeah. I I suppose the point of everyone listening going, why they talk about all these (laughs) random messing games. Essendon and Melbourne have one of the weirdest Rob, is it a rivalry? Is it like some teams play up to their play up? To I feel like I feel like it's the, the opposite of whatever a rivalry is because <laughs> both teams tend to play worse against each other. Whatever, like whatever, like some teams play up to their rivalry. So like, no matter what what is sort of happening in the derby, both teams go at a red hot. You know, yeah, Collingwood, same as the showdown. Yeah, yeah showdown's yeah. always great to watch. Co- Collingwood Richmond or Geelong Hawthorne, uh, generally Geelong Hawthorne historically. Anzac, pretty... Day's, Anzac Day is normally pretty yep. good, even but if what, one team's way better than the other. This rivalry is the opposite, where no matter where they sit on a ladder, it turns into an absolute dog's breakfast. Like, it, no matter. <laughs> and so I think turning to the preview of this week's game, Assuming this will turn into dog's breakfast, if it is going to rain in Adelaide, it will be the fourth game on Adelaide Oval in three days. So who God knows what the turf is going yeah, to look like. Uh, and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be raining. So, yeah, yeah, so we, it'll, be yeah. a, it'll be back to McCracken's <sighs> paddock in 1900, oh. I think. It's going to look horrendous. But we'll jump into the preview. I, I wanted to, I, I've sort of sent you some questions that we might go into. The first is what I'm going to ask you is, if Melbourne do blank, 
they will win. What is the key to Melbourne winning this weekend other than just generally being 80% better than the Bombers and everything? So I, I was actually going to go with what I think you're pretty on the money that Melbourne can control the air against Essendon, even without Grundy. But because it's going to be so wet, like I don't really think marking is going to be a huge factor. I think it's what if, if Melbourne is switched on defensively, like in terms of a pressure rating, like I think we'll win. Yeah, like, I, I, Essendon are going to Essendon are going to give us looks. Like, like that's what Essendon do. I don't think they're at that level defensively yet, where they can really shut us out of the game. Mm. And Essendon will get looks against us because I think Essendon are good enough to create. They're still like a pretty good team offensively. Like I was saying before, like they they will score on you if you give them chances. So sure. I, th- I think if, if if Melbourne come, uh, it's really cliche to say I feel like Jonathan Brown, like oh you just got to go in hard or like some bullshit like that. But it's pretty simple for Melbourne. If we turn up defensively, I think the rest will take care of itself. That sounds horribly arrogant. I know, and I apologise, but I think that's a realistic way of looking at it. No, it's fair, and I think. The inverse is if Essendon do blank, they will win. I think the answer is Essendon somehow is, you know, not, you know, Melbourne is dead last in stoppage clearances. So as we were discussing, it's Melbourne conceding clearances around the ground to then set up defensively in the intercept. In the rain, that interceptability is going to be harder but if Melbourne can do it, it will be crucial. Oh, absolutely. So, I, I think that plays into Essendon's hands, definitely. Yeah, that's, so, that's a really good point. So I think if Essendon are going to win this, which I think if Essendon win this, it'll be because eight things broke in Essendon's direction, not one. But the primary one is Essendon will win if they dominate the contested possession and stoppage clearances around the ground. You know, Melbourne's so good from center bounces that you're just going to have to ride your luck with that and hope you're back six hold up until your midfielders can get back. But if Essendon can take advantage of Melbourne conceding stoppage around the ground and instead of just bombing it long, working it forward by hand and doing that sort of stuff, they're in with a shot. But I just, if Essendon get beaten around the stoppage around the ground, we're out. It's all over. And if we just win, but we bomb it long and Melbourne get through to set game going, then it's going to be tough. So Essendon have to win the stoppage around the ground and they have to work it up by hand, which is going to be tough in the wet, but it's just the only way to beat Melbourne, I think. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really... I think the rain definitely changes the game. Like, it, the rain... Obviously, you've got Stringer, who's in good form, but, I mean, he, he literally embodies what Essendon has been for, like, 10 years. I literally don't know what's going to happen when Jake goes on the field. It might be good, it might be bad. Like, he, he like I, I'm pretty confident with Stephen May on him because Stephen May can play multiple players, but Stringer's good enough. He could still kick it back, right? But he could also literally have five possessions. Oh, no. It, not hit yeah. the scoreboard. The difference between floor and ceiling for Jake might be the biggest of any player in the competition with his level of talent. Like, generally, we've got. When, in when 2021, Gen- he was the top five player in the competition. I was shocked at how good he was. And then that, just, and, and he signed the contract, and he's like, well, back to being inconsistent. Well, uh, it could be. So there was the news this weekend about Jake Stringer's concussion issues towards the back end of last year. For 16 weeks, he basically couldn't run without getting a migraine. So Jeez, I didn't know that. That's really yeah. Cool. So it, it was in, no, no. There were a lot of like, Kane Corns went at him like a a rabid dog at the start of the year, but Jake. There's been long debates on the board about, you know, should we be trying to turn him into a midfielder or should we just try to build him up to be a, that sort of power forward sort of role? And I think it just takes him a couple of games to get into things. But historically, every time he gets a couple of games in, he injures himself. 2021 was sort yeah. of the first time he got basically a season's worth of consistent football, and that's what you get. So hopefully, yeah, he's probably the X factor for us. So if Melbourne lose 
smart what what is it what's going to happen so melbourne will lose if blank i think look i i think in the wet you do need to take your chances right and i yeah. think that's mag that's going to be magnified this week so i i think if if melbourne goes back to being wasteful melbourne with 30 inside 50s for a goal i actually think we'll be in trouble because i can see us losing a low scoring scrap i mean you might remember two years ago in the premiership year we played Essendon at the g in another awful game it was actually wet and Essendon like Melbourne were on top for most of it but never really kicked away and then Essendon got it back to eight points late and they were whinged about tip and not getting the free kick when if you kicked the goal it still would have been Melbourne winning anyway sorry um <laughs> and it was sort it was sort of like it was just such a terrible game in the wet but like Essendon did hang with Melbourne the whole time so I, I think Melbourne really needs to take their chances because in the wet you're not going to get anywhere near as many as you would on a dry day like we do look better up forward but we, we can't be walking in a half time like two goals to eight like I mean you know you would know that feeling from the weekend but yeah, yeah. we we can't be doing that because the longer Essendon are in the game the more confident they're going to get so probably got to get away to a good start too but we need to be taking our chances at least early. And, and for me, Essendon will lose if Melbourne muscle up. And when I say muscle up is that midfield of Oliver, Petrarca, Viney, Brayshaw, you know, Harms running through there. If they decide he, that... He, he won't be in this week, by the way. I'm pretty he won't be in? Get to outs later, but yeah. he's had personal reasons. I don't know. He's missed the last two games. I'd be surprised if he comes back in. Okay, yeah, well, so it, I get I get your point. Yeah, insert um, Sparrow, insert um, Harms, whoever. But if they they have the capacity to just you know in 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 rugby league parlance, it's muscle up, which basically means you decide to get in and get physical. And if the rain sets in, and Melbourne just decide right intercept games out the window, we're just going to bludgeon Essendon at the football. I don't think we've got the cattle to go with you, uh, particularly in the wet. So if Essendon lose, it'll be because the rain sets in. Oh, there'll be multiple reasons Essendon lose this because Melbourne just a better team. But forecasting to the weekend, I think if Melbourne decide to just throw their intercept game out the window and, and play wet weather football, I don't think Essendon can go with them. Um, we've just got a few minutes left. Um, we'll talk about projected changes and, and tips before we go. So you already sort of insinuated that you think Harms might be out. Is that the only change you yeah, think I, might happen? I, I, the, the only... Yeah, I, well, he's already out. He's missed the last two with personal right, reasons. Okay. It, has, it hasn't even played BFL, so... I hope he's oh. all right. Not sure what it is. Like, I don't need to know, but I doubt he'll come straight back into the ones. Yeah. Because his form wasn't that strong for the first two games anyway. He was probably borderline on the chopping block. Uh, ben Brown is a... So, Hibbo, everyone loves Hibbo, um, will probably... I, they said he's going to have a test for his Achilles. I think at his age, he probably just misses. It's either, sorry, it's either Achilles or calf. I can't remember which one, but... yeah. I mean, Hibbo's, what, 33 now? Like, yeah. I, there's no yeah, reason. Yeah. And he's borderline not in the best team anyway. I don't think Melbourne are going to take him, especially on a wet track. Like, we don't need to play him. So, he probably goes out. In terms of who comes in, that's that's an interesting one because they might swing Petty back. Although, I'm curious as to what tall forwards Essendon actually have available now that Wiedemann probably... <laughs> I don't know if Wiedemann, I think, is concussed and obviously two-meter Peter probably misses. Oh, yeah, he definitely misses. He's out yeah. for a while. Yeah, aside from that, I doubt Ben Brown comes in. I mean, I sort of don't want him to. I sort of, I mean, to be honest, I wish him and Tom McDonald both went in the team and we went with Petty and Ben Ruyen, but they like to have the three tolls plus the Ruckman. So, yeah. But I doubt Ben Brown comes in. I would be... I mean, I'll, there'll be rioting in the Facebook comments from Nuffy supporters like me if Ben Ruyen got dropped this week, for example. 
Yeah. It's interesting. In terms of your forward line for the Bombers, I think you're right. So Wiedemann diagnosed concussion. Now, even if he wasn't, even if he passed his concussion test, you couldn't in good faith the way he came off the field play him. I don't think we're generally going, I don't think we we have a key forward in the wings to replace him. A, a lot of talk about Patrick Voss, a young guy who's done a lot at VFL level, but he's not really a key forward. He's more a, a Jake Stringer, Kyle Langford type, um, which is sort of your... Your bigger medium, your bigger medium forward, um, sort of explosive yeah. type, and and so I think unless you're going to drop um, Heppel and swing Langford back or one of those sorts of moves, I, I think you know it'll be Wiedemann out and a small in um, to to add some more forward pressure in the wet or just in general. You, you tend not to change losing teams, and Brad Scott historically has not changed teams that win all that much. Oh, sure. And you've yeah. already got two rucks, right? So one of them probably rests forward, even if like they're not yeah, that's there, they'll probably rest forward. Yeah. And our, and our forward line has always has looked better this year with some combination of Harrison Jones, who you know is probably saved by Wiedemann getting injured. He probably loses his spot if Wiedemann's fit. But some combination of Jones, Stringer, Langford, and then your resting ruck occasionally sitting deep in the goal square to allow those guys to get further up the field. And I think that's probably just a mix we go and we we replace Wiedemann with. A small uh, for more forward pressure, but anyway, that's probably about it, really. Maybe you drop Heppel for uh, another medium, but I think considering he played okay on the weekend, I don't think they're going to drop Heppel now. I think he's a bit like our Nathan Jones, if anything, <laughs> in that regard. Is he close to three hundred? Are they? Or, no, or no, probably, nothing close to three hundred. But yeah. you know, Nathan Jones probably got carried to the last ten games. Oh, absolutely, a- ab- absolutely, he did. Um, yeah, there was yeah. A, a lot of people like there was. I'll just quickly go on that because a lot of people either skipped over this and see it. There was an interview with him at this at this. It was either at the end of 2020 or start of 2021, and he basically said that the club left it up to him whether he wanted to play on or not. And what that says, I'm sure everyone can infer from that, is that's the club saying, "Look, we're not we're happy for you to go another year, but we're not guaranteeing you a spot." Yeah, which is basically what they did. They got him to 300. He played one more game and then didn't play again. That's basically might be something similar with Heppel. Yeah, no, it's basically exactly what they're doing with Heppel, um, to be honest. But um, he played okay at the weekend, so I don't think he's going to get dropped for next week, even though the pressure was you know, like a dripping tap. And in any event, that's probably all we got time for, Schmutt. I'll get you tip, and then we uh, might say goodbye. Yeah, so I scaled this one back a bit because of the wet. I'm going to go Melbourne by eight points. I think we'll just do enough. Well, you're very generous. I have Melbourne by six goals. Um, so, <laughs> look, I, I, I will say real quick, I posted on our board, look, I think we might belt Essendon this week, but then I like also said, well, every time I've said this, we either lose or we scrape it in. So we'll probably lose or scrape it in. So, <laughs> Melbourne do tend to play the level of their opposition a little bit sometimes. And Essendon aren't that bad, but I would be quite surprised if we belted you. All right. Well, thank you, Schmutt, for joining us. Um, it, it's been a pleasure thank to you, have mate. you on. And if, with that, we might wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe and, and let your friends and Essence supporting mates know. Uh, have a good weekend. Go Bombers. <laughs>